my spidey senses tingling. gentlemen his love affair with Keith Houston knows no earthly bounds he's the host of the paper cake podcast he's slim this is episode 154 uh, com. best podcast ever come out of Hatboro PA and elsewhere uh, we talk about the books we're reading, and we'll do a book club at the end of the show. We all read the same book. We're going to talk about it. Jan Jurgens, Superman Aliens. First of all, thanks for tuning in. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll also read your letters, letters at papercake.com. Let's talk about the hosts of this show. Hosts with the moderately enough uh, computer whiz. Noted computer whiz. He is, you just, just call him a hacker. He is hacking photos. With faces, Jonesy loves beer. Unpublished writer may never be published. Welcome to the show. Uh, published gimp master, as they would say. Uh, Bruce Lee and I studied the same style of gimp photoshopping, and uh, I'm proud to say my skills are culminating in this week's latest uh, Superman Aliens mashup. What was that little karate movie? You just that was did? my Is skills that... coming into play. Don't yeah, adjust was... your sets. My hands are white hot. Just like my face in this camera, very white. They are they are pale as paper right now. <laughs> with the with the all black shirt, he looks like Jambi. Jambi had an all white face. Pee wee. Uh, that's the kind of humor you can count on on Facebook all day long. Facebook, uh, the king of Facebook. He's been called. I saw some kind of gag or picture Dale posted today. Immediately 10 likes. Within seconds. He's a father. Uh, recognized as probably one of the most lovable alcoholics you'll ever meet. Dale underscore A. Welcome to the show. Feels great to be here. Within the last few hours, the, the strep in my throat has started breaking apart like the polar ice caps. And I, I'm, I probably gurgling. I'll be gurgling during the show. I'll be. Um, Neil deGrasse sputering. Tyson has said you've gone past the uh, point of no return, as far as uh, throat melting. If Neil deGrasse says it, then alleged melting of ice caps. That's <laughs> unproven. People in the streets running naked, doing high fives and cartwheels because of that man. <sighs> He's a hero. Science to the internet. Uh, it isn't real unless he confirms it. confirms it. What a show we have. Um, last week, one of the most popular episodes we've ever done, hands down, Fury Max. Oh, my God. Ruck a keg. The entire episode was devoted to one book. What an episode that was. I listened back. We were on point. Can I be honest? We were on point. I uh, I agree. 
with that assessment. <laughs> I mean, for 70 minutes, it was only 13 issues, but we poured, we opened ourselves up. We poured ourselves out. Emotions abound. Like pancake batter. Surely. On a, on a hot griddle. And we all reminisced about our dear friend Shirley DeFabio. Shirley, get at me. She's dead. She killed herself. Spoilers. I could remember Josie. Her. She. I could have changed her, guys. <laughs> remember how you described the <laughs> pug <laughs> sex with a corpse scene? Right. Um, what a show. Tune in. It's in the downloads somewhere. I don't know how you get your podcast, but find it. This week, Superman Aliens. Dan Jurgens, uh, he's a friend of the show, longtime friend, dating back to I don't know what episode it was, but Jonesy probably too erroneously pronouncing his name, professing his love for a Thor book that we'll never read. <laughs> uh, what a book! We'll get into it. We could probably most likely be out of every other book club imaginable, but we'll we'll stand strong. Like a bulwark, we will not give in. Never have I ever got them to read Thor on this podcast. What is a bulwark? A bulwark, Slim. It's like a wall, a wall of defense or a defensive structure built in medieval times. Oh, you lost for, me. There you go, medieval times. Kevin, medieval times. Kevin Nolan on art. You know, I grew up with Kevin Nolan because... He did the, you know those corner things in the old school comics where they have like character heads or like a character pose right where the number is in that little corner box? He drew that Wolverine one where he's running at you. So like in the 90s, his little Wolverine was the logo that I remember. Enough about that. (laughs) July 19th. Mm. Just just throwing it out there. Just letting it simmer let that date marinate if you are you know you're a father with kids you need to get out of the house take a long you drive need, you might need to know two months in advance month and a half of course make plans with jonesy's schedule you need six months in advance most of the time 2004 we uh we scheduled this date <laughs> just put that marker down in the calendar you know if you're a young cat with no kids and you like alcohol. Put that date down. That's all we can say right now. Uh, this is a special message to a friend of the show, Catcher. Uh, you're going to need to expunge your record by no later than July 10th. Okay? Get that record expunged, babe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're running out of tape. We've got a lot, of, a lot of show to get to. Jonesy, what did you read this week? I want to talk about Warren Ellis's new... Sci-fi epic, Trees, issue number one. Let me set set the scene, if you don't mind. Uh, The Earth is set upon by these horrific alien trees. These um, semi-metallic poles that dry themselves into the Earth and spew out, you know, toxic goop and basically ravage the Earth. And uh, years later after the trees have calmed down with really no more alien interaction, how does the Earth move on and pick up the pieces and kind of rebuild their lifestyle? 
their life as we know it with these trees every so often. Uh, it's the start of something magical, I'll tell you now. It's got, you know, Showtime HBO limited series quality beginnings to it. And uh, it's political, it's sci-fi, it's got a little bit of action, and I think it's going to be something that we're going to be talking about for many episodes to come. Hmm. Trees. Check it out. Dale, did you read that? I have not read it. But please feel free to discuss. That is waiting and floppy on my nightstand. This was one of two books that I read this week, so I'm effed for the lightning (laughs) round. In the A. I read Trees. I enjoyed his little take on aliens. You know, um, I can't remember where I read it or a, a statement about how they liked how maybe it was friend of the show, uh, Beck, Bex. Mm. Uh, maybe it was someone else, but they remarked how it was interesting that um, the aliens that Warren Ellis wrote about weren't in any way humanoid. Often we'll see humanoid aliens, but this was obviously in, in no way or sh- shape or form related to how we evolved as beings. It was just a huge tree, essentially, that landed on the planet. One problem I had with the book was there's a section where this kid is leaving his podunk town and going into this big city behind these kind of Demolition Man movie gates, Mega City 1, and... In order to show how different things were to this kid and how, you know, this isn't your old stomping grounds anymore in this jungle or wherever he was from, they showed this chick inside. He's, like, walking through town, seeing the bright lights, the big city, and he walks past this chick, like, standing out of her apartment. Sexy lady. Mm, yeah. Next panel, she's pulling down her little underoos. She has male genitals. What? But what's she pulling them down for? Because that's what happens in I don't Mega City know. Scoop it out. You know, shocker, transvestite. How's that for you? Like, I'm I don't understand sure where it plugs in with the story. There, I agree. It was you could have usually there for shock value. I didn't understand. I thought it was kind of a disservice to you know females with male genitals. Like they're not just standing around whipping it out to show these young kids. Hey, you're not in Kansas anymore. Check this out. Like, that doesn't happen. I thought Dagmar. he easily could have... <laughs> yeah, Dagmar from Black Kiss. I th- I just thought it was a... We- it took me out of the book. It honestly took me out of the halfway point of the story. I didn't think it was needed at all. And I mean, like, I don't know. It was just an odd moment in the book. I think you, you could have done a lot of other things to show this kid that he wasn't in Kansas anymore and whipping out female male junk was not at the top of my list. Well, that's Warren Ellis. I mean, he's a futurist, and if if there's probably only two panels, he needs to tell you, "Oh, you're in the future, and things probably aren't the aren't the same way as they are where you're from, pal." Chicks with D's in the future. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Mega City One. If I was a, a woman with male genitals reading this book, I would have been pretty offended, probably. Like, oh, that's that's what you think of us? We're just whipping it out at every stop. Speaking of uh, odd moments in time, I was watching, you know, obviously I had a Nick- Nicolas Cage movie marathon this weekend that I took part of. Uh, Man of the hour. We watched It Could Happen to You, the one where he's a police officer and plays the lotto with um, oh, yeah. Bridget, Bridget Fonda. Fonda. And I guess this movie was made during the height 
of the AIDS epidemic where she is waiting on this guy, this effeminate man who's weak looking, you know, weaked. Uh, and she comes over to Nicholas Cage. Weaked. Nicholas, you know, just observing the whole situation, Nicholas Cage goes like, oh, he's got it, doesn't he? And it's just like this weird assumed, oh, that guy has AIDS because he's a gay man and he looks weak. Like, what a weird era that movies were being made at that time where they're just throwing in, like, AIDS comments and stuff. It's very odd. Well, much like Warren Ellis of our time, I and mean, back then... Did Warren Ellis write, you're, it could happen to you? It I'm might just, have been I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, he probably... Warren Ellis maybe took a cue, you know, lead because you. you know back then, what was it, ninety one, ninety two, maybe? Yeah. You're 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 a kid. You're even a kid. Everybody saw the Philadelphia trailer with Tom Hanks. Everybody right. knew. All right. Everybody watched the Real World on MTV. Mm-hmm. Pedro, They're just like this is how we catch people up. This is how everybody in New York's got age. We're going to show one in a diner, frail and weak. That's what happens. I mean. Nicholas Cage, you know, acted amazingly. Obviously, he looks great. Policeman. Uh, he was married to Rosie Perez, who has one of the most annoying voices in the history. Is that a of real cinema. thing? Yeah, yeah. you never seen that. Oh movie? no, in the film. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was not married in real life to <laughs> Rosie Perez. I said straight up. I did not believe that comment. But yeah, trees. Interesting book. Warren Ellis. Yeah. Can't wait to read it. Let's change Spoilers. gears. Let's shift it up. Big Age of Apocalypse sale this week on that Comixology. Disclaimer, I work for Comixology. X-Men Chronicles, number one. I went back to the Slim Kives. Read this one again. <laughs> Quote, read it again. No, I did. Uh, so Age of Apocalypse, if you've been living under a rock or haven't been nerdy and reading comics since the 90s. Um, Charles Xavier's son can envision Charles Xavier as James McAvoy, if that helps at all. He, his that son, helps. Helps. you know, he's, he, he's tired of Magneto being this villain in their lives. So he figures he needs to go back in time and kill Magneto before he becomes this great villain. Seems like a pretty good plan. Wrong. He goes back in time, and in the instance where he tries to kill Magneto, he accidentally kills his father, Charles Xavier. Boom. So this sets off this alternate universe where Charles Xavier never formed the X-Men, but Magneto formed the X-Men. This is amazing stuff from the comics way back when. So this issue tells their kind of X-Men number one story um, where Magneto is forming the team... Wolverine joins the team in this issue and um, really interesting art team on this book. It was the Dodsons, but not the wife. Um, I think, is she a colorist or is she an inker? I think she can do both. Well, the inker on this book was dear friend, Klaus Jansen. Whoa, okay. You have me in Klaus. Highly recommend picking this book up. It's like a really cool moment in comics time where this really well done origin issue of Magneto forming the X-Men in their first kind of real battle with Apocalypse's henchmen. Um, loved it. Still holds I, uh, up. I enjoyed the Gambit and the Externals 
which was a AOA title, wasn't it? Around the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and you know who drew that was Tony Daniel. Mm. Apparently, very mm. different art Loved style it. back then. G- Gambit is a spacefaring hand solo type of rogue who assembles a team of mutants, and they have highfalutin adventures in the galaxy. Thought it was great. That was a weird, awesome time for comics too, because all my like comic news was from Wizard. And like the solicits for or the news for the Age of Apocalypse was they canceled, quote, all the X Men titles and they relaunched them with this Age of Apocalypse versions for four months. So all the titles stopped for four months and they started with like Wolverine became Weapon X number one for four months. Yeah. X Men or Uncanny X Men became, I think, the Amazing X Men. Oh man, so great. I cherish those those books in my long box. You were probably just uh, graduating college, I think, when those came out. Dale, did you have? Did you even have time for those books? I was finding too, jobs. I was too much into you know searching Wall Wall Street, interviewing, <laughs> debugging Windows ninety five. Then I realized it couldn't work, so I tried to open my own bar. <laughs> I was going to call it Cocktails and Dreams. Blink, blink, blankety blink. That's just me sick. and Brian Brown. Yeah, in the thick of things in Manhattan. God, what a life. Yeah. What a life you've led so oh, far. Um, what did you so read one, this week? So the one waitress called me out because I didn't know what a Cuba Libra was. She could have just called, told me I was a rum and coke. I read the Fantastic Four issues 347, 348, and 349. And uh, if you were a, a fan of comic cards like we were back in the day. We've had many discussions about our love of comic book trading cards. On oh, one of the Marvel series, I believe Marvel series 2, there was this uh there was these team cards and one of those teams was a rookie card, the new Fantastic 4, consisting of one Wolverine that looks like Indiana Jones, <laughs> Spider-Man, Joe Fixit, Gray Hawk, and Ghost Rider. So uh, I saw an image at the beginning of the weekend that triggered memories from that, so I researched what their uh, debut issues were. Turns out it was three th- these three issues by Walt Simonson, art by Arthur Adams, and a, a fugitive scroll on the run from Scroll Assassins lands on Earth infiltrates the Baxter building, takes out the Fantastic Four, and then use, using some of Reed Richards' technology on keeping tabs on people, she reaches out to these four rando superheroes to help her locate a scroll artifact that was buried on Monster Island, that which uh, belongs, belongs to the Mole Man in the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh. So these four palookas get together completely believing the scroll who has changed to Sue Storm revealing the unconscious bodies of the rest of the team she tells them that the Fantastic Four have been murdered, all of them they're all dead they believe this Sue Storm scroll and Sue Storm asks if they can keep it under wraps, let's just, you know, because if if the greatest foes out there find out the Fantastic Four are dead they're going to run amok so first, you help me get the assassins who did this, and then we'll figure out the rest. 
So they hop in one of their little fantastic cars together, and they head to Monster Island to help locate this artifact that's going to birth, like, scrawl robots of some kind. Very tongue-in-cheek. Not as B.A. as I wanted the new Fantastic Four to be. All they do, all issues... Is it's very it reads very old timey, very silver age, but they just bust each other's bees the whole time. Like Joe Fixit hates everybody and everything. He just talks about Spider Man's abilities and Wolverine's avail- abilities. They're they're just terrible to each other. And there's no real action. The new Fantastic Four doesn't really become effective as a team. They don't really do anything as a team. But it's a fun it's a fun little arc. Very tongue-in-cheek, like I said. Uh, the art is amazing in it. Absolutely amazing. I, I recommend it. Hmm. I must say that uh, my fantasies about the new Fantastic Four Marvel card that I would stare at has diminished a little bit. Oh, no. But I had fun. More it like fun. the Flaccid-tastic Four. You said it, pal. <laughs> That was the art Adam's art during that era. You know, he doesn't do monthly books. Very, he did covers and the book. Wow, twenty-four uh, page books. They were very detailed, very gorgeous. Probably the last time frame before he realized he could make sick bank just doing covers and pinups <laughs> yeah. and never have to do a monthly page. And this was uh, like November, December of nineteen ninety. Good stuff. Yeah, I remember that cover. That's an iconic cover. It is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you just stare at the cover. You're like, "Whoa, this is a team to be reckoned with." You said Art Adams. For some reason, I always thought it was Eric Larson. Maybe, oh. maybe there was another version of that where they did some more. But I guess during that era, their art could be considered very similar. Yeah, yeah. Two sentences or less. Jonesy loves beer. The most popular segment in this show's history. Led off by the least popular host in this show's Mm -hmm. history. Uh, Southern Bastards, issue number two. Uh, Imagine that the films Varsity Blues and Walking Tall were Oscar-winning films. Mash them together in the greatest film ever told, and you would have Southern Bastards. a slip quote right there <laughs> ever J Hickman's Avengers 29 Lian Lee on art duties colon Captain America not unlike Batman from Identity Crisis finally remembers what the Illuminati has done to him. And he is not pleased. I enjoyed this issue and the next. Spoilers. (laughs) Archaea's The Last Broadcast, issue one. A pair of urban explorers under the city of San Francisco, stumble across an old hideout from an old-timey illusionist. 
They report their findings to a crappy mid-level illusionist and his agent pal. Semicolon. I'm not, I'm not doing this story justice. The art is amazing. Check it out. Sick. All right. Superman Aliens by Jan Jurgens, friend of the show, affectionately known as, and Kevin Nolan. A, a joint from DC Comics and Dark Horse. They don't do stuff like this anymore. Yeah? They just don't do it. Jonesy, please, what is this heaping, <laughs> glorious book about? <laughs> spoilers. Opinion spoilers. All right. So imagine that Ponytail Superman is being played by none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and he takes his... What's an appropriate 80s actress... Okay, I can't. I can't think anymore. All right. So, who played uh, Red Sonia? What was her name? I was about to say Bridget, her. Uh, Bridget Nielsen. Bridget Nielsen. So, Brigitte and Arnold, in the roles of Superman and Lois Lane, are uh, tasked with taking an experimental Lex Luthor spacecraft uh, to a possibly um, Kryptonian origin city called Argo. And uh, they can't call the Justice League for help for some reason. So they must take the Lex Luthor spacecraft. Uh, they find a, uh, a probe that has the uh, directions to this city. So they hop in the, the experimental ship. Uh, Arnold says, Brigitte, you can't go with me. I have to do this on my own. Can you do uh, it in the Arnold voice, please? No, no. That would just be a travesty. And I, I don't need that kind of level of trolling in my life just at this moment. So uh, Arnold jumps in, uh, flies to Argo uh, out of the reach of a yellow sun and, uh, you know, slowly drains his powers. Uh, And that means, folks, that the inverse of Superman's powers with the sun uh, trains him in foreign alien weapons use and technology. So that's that's the inverse coefficient. As his powers go down, his skill... In the weaponry of a world he's never been to, raises exponentially. So he is on Argo, uh, meets uh, Kara, uh, which is not his cousin Kara, Supergirl, just another uh, post-Kryptonian Jonesy, being. Jonesy, you're getting yes. really hot right now while <laughs> yeah, turning this synopsis. You need I'm to not. take it down a few okay. notches. Right. So Kara and Cal, as he calls himself, uh, begin uh, fighting the aliens. From the Aliens movie franchise, they have taken over Argo, uh, and they must be stopped. The population has been decimated, and uh, Cal's powers assist them in uh, ridding themselves of the alien queen. Uh, He is shipped back to Earth, where his yellow sun powers uh, return, and he just kicks a lot of A with Superman powers and ends up saving the day. Uh, Superman versus Aliens. So blur, so blurred, and, and and with hate-colored glasses. You told yeah. me. Hey, I mean, you, I you, loved you, it. 
I want to. Jonesy could be in his bathroom right now, popping a large squat over a toilet <laughs> where this book now resides. From that synopsis, I disagree. Have you ever heard anyone say Superman's real name with such disdain and disgust (laughs) than during that synopsis? Cal. (laughs) Cal. He's he's taking his $5 trade and pressing turd flowers with that book right now. (laughs) And it's not right. I don't know what you guys... I love this book. Yeah, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. For the 80s action exploitation... (laughs) caricature that it was i love jonesy's backtracking and he hasn't even he just got done the synopsis and already he's backtracking on what we how can i backpedal what i'm just you presumed we i think we presumed correctly you hated this book you are ready to make fun of this book for the next 20 minutes make fun of no way uh first of all kevin nolan hero i thought it was interesting that jan did um maybe breakdowns and Kevin yeah. Nolan did finishes. Very that's interesting. What it sounded like. I wonder if that's just part of like Dan Jurgen's contract in those days. That guy was like Mr. Superman and Thor, I guess, if you're into that. The how about Clark's hair? Can we just we could just spend twenty minutes on his hair during this era. Lois's hair too. What was going on with her hair? Very futuristic. She was like Very a redhead futuristic. almost. Yeah, and it was like angled, like she was like a ghost in the machine or something. She was <laughs> ghost in my heart, ghost in the shell. I, I love that upwards tapered angle. Yeah, it's tapered. Like, Very like strange. that is Brigitte hair. Am I right? I thought you were going to say Brigitte was Kara when you were talking uh, about. You know, that would have been a more apt. Uh, what do you call I it? I would have went with like called? Kelly LeBrock. I mean, Brit. Br- Lois was not a bodybuilder of any kind. She didn't look no like she was buff and she was the stuff. I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my WWE app, get it? <laughs> the I couldn't. This era, like it just bewilders me. It's comics. It's the nineties or whatever era this was. But Clark Kent all of a sudden has long hair. Superman all of a sudden Flowing. has long hair. Flowing. Come hair. on, come on. Who is the most lame detective in Metropolis? He's not accidentally sitting next to two pictures of Clark and Superman and, and superimposing them on each other. It's like that scene in Ace Ventura where the dog lays on uh, Finkel's picture and he just doesn't <laughs> get it. Especially no, especially when Clark is on the Lexcopter. Yes, it you. crash lands. <laughs> Clark runs off into the woods on a deserted island to get out. Uh, maybe, there, maybe there's a road over here. We're going to get help. <laughs> Superman shows up. No, and not only and not only that. Superman shows up. They leave Clark on this deserted island. The <laughs> yeah, chopper yeah, begins yeah. to work again. They leave. There's no mention of you know what. We should go back and get Clark. He's on that right. island. He's gone. They're leaving him. There's no mention of him. He doesn't show up again. It's it's over. The topic Clark, is over. Clark's been eaten by compies. I've seen <laughs> Jurassic Park 2. What a book. There. Before I even forget, we're jumping all over the place, but yeah. at one point, this is like the third act, I think, maybe, it's revealed that this area where the aliens have are trying to invade this like rock that split off of what Clark thinks is Krypton. So this is like a, another offshoot possibly of Krypton that has survived. They're speaking Kryptonian-esque with a different accent. He talks to the Kara character and says, or she reveals that this offshoot, this little rock that has a civilization on it, is not Krypton, but someone from Krypton came to us, and we were so smitten with this guy that we 
changed our language to to an offshoot of Kryptonian. And that's why we speak this way. And then she also reveals that, like, you couldn't leave Krypton. They, some, some people didn't know you can't leave Krypton because your DNA is, is ingrained into the planet. So how did you leave Superman? How did you leave Krypton? And he's like, well, my father found a way around that. He, he sent me away before I was even born. Did anyone else read that? Yeah. What the F? Did, what? That is a total 90s comics pseudoscience explanation. That's your boy Jan Jurgens, baby. Yeah. But I don't understand. He He'll wasn't. Find a way. He Life wasn't shot off way. of Life. Krypton. <laughs> Back to Jurassic Park. Life finds How a way. How was he sent off of Krypton before he was he born? He tied the two female ends of the belt together signifying how his DNA could jump so that life could move on. I don't understand. Did he send out his mother's womb in the rocket ship? And then she gave birth in the rocket? And then he, the rocket opened up and he was a baby? Science. Neil I deGrasse was, will have a lecture on it I, soon. Like, I guess, I don't know if this is an Elseworlds title, but that didn't make any sense. He sent. He says that his dad sent him off of Krypton before he was born. And why? why did that exposition even need to be in this book? That had no direct outcome on on the events, right? It that, was like a storyline yeah. that feels like it was identityed out of the DC storyline. Like people from Krypton couldn't leave because of their DNA, and if they left, they died. And and uh, you know who knows? Maybe that could be like some sort of legalese because it was co-published with Dark Horse because Dark Horse has the Aliens property. DC we need to get the Superman. We need to get the official DC Comics Jeff Johns podcast to weigh in on this, the Ancillary Characters podcast. They probably know the story inside and out. If we see, now, I know number one talking point when we see Dan Jurgens at Baltimore Comic Con. We're, he's going to break it down for us like he broke down those panels on, those, on that art. <laughs> because I need to know. It didn't make a lick of sense to me. I also thought it was hilarious that they... 99% of the book, they didn't reference the aliens as aliens. They didn't call the aliens aliens until the the final, like, 20 pages of the book. They called well, they them never... Uglies. Uglies yeah, was called... They... they were named Uglies, like, 30 times, at they least. They called them Uglies. They don't... They don't... They never bring up Xenomorph, but I guess they wouldn't know what the Xenomorphs are. They don't... It's not like they're working for the... It's not like Lex and Waylon Utani is in cahoots <laughs> wow. together. Great. You know I mean? <laughs> Great reference. Um, what's what's yeah, the deal so with were, Clark not having the S on his chest for ninety percent of this book either? You mean you didn't appreciate that Kryptonian chest hair? <laughs> you mean that Brillo pad that he had uh, scraped across his chest? That was, he was like half naked for most of the book. His pant leg was torn off, but his, his little bikini was staying there. He had one bikini. He had a bikini bottom and one pant leg. <laughs> he didn't just he didn't just like take the other pant leg off. <laughs> Because, I mean, this this could have spawned a toy line like Battle Ravage Superman with chest hair. I mean, I would have bought probably five copies of those near mint. Now, for the you have to suspend all kinds of like fan disbelief. It is a Superman and aliens title. I mean, it's full fledged alien. There's an alien queen at the bottom of this satellite. Um. There are xenomorphs all over the place. There are chest bursters or face... Cr- I mean, there's face huggers. There's everything in an alien movie in this DC property. So it's like... You have to suspend your suspension of... Di- like, you have to suspend very many levels 
but it, but if you just go with it, it's really not a bad story. The but you, but you really have to go with it. Yeah, you really do. You have to you have to realize what you're getting into. And there was one actually part that was probably my favorite portion of the book is Superman. I think this might be the only time Superman references the time he committed murder and he murdered three people <laughs> where he he's he's almost kind of still grief stricken over what he did to those alternate earth versions of Zod and the other Kryptonians. And I, th- I think it might be the only time he actually references outside of that John Byrne storyline where if you've never read it, he opens up like the phantom zone to another earth and lets in these three Kryptonians because he was tricked by them into thinking that he was, these are his only other kin. But you find out that these people have like literally committed genocide on their earth. They've ravaged the entire planet and killed billions of people. And then once Superman realizes this, he turns their, their world's kryptonite on them and kills them. Mm. And so it's actually a really great book, but this, he references that time in this storyline, which I thought was a really cool kind of tie to the DC universe. Um, but that's it was a cool, it was a cool tie, but okay. I thought they had, I had a, I thought they had enough of a, uh, Superman can't do it all because he wasn't in direct sunlight. He didn't have to have this moral against the xenomorph alien. Like there's nothing good about them. Yeah. They're not but humans. But he has this, yeah, they're not, they don't, I mean, they feel as far as they have, they can feel things, but they are bent, they, do they're they feel bent love? on one thing. I don't think they feel love. I don't know. They did, I That's mean. your opinion. It's probably true. I mean, I mean, you don't know what they feel when they impregnate a human mouth. Could be love. <laughs> that uh, that one alien and uh, Sigourney Weaver got it semi on. Yeah, with Sigourney resurrection, run around those skimpy little underoos that she was wearing. Good heavens, Sigourney! Two stick legs and a size zero pair of undies. Come on, <laughs> Ripley. <laughs> Well, clone of Ripley, years, hundreds of years later. Yeah, but that you're right. He had like these weird aversions to killing these aliens, which maybe is weird to us because we've seen the alien movies and we know what they are. Yeah, he, he didn't really yeah. know. He didn't just know to, to prevent him from just coming down and ripping them all to shreds with his heat vision. Yeah. The uh, yeah, exactly. I thought it was funny. Like he's been without a son for so long, but there was no real moment where Superman was powerless and kind of a wimp. He still was like, oh, I'm almost depleted, but I can still jump 300 miles from here. Oh, let me just concentrate and give me the entire layer of the base with my x-ray vision. Oh, there it is. It's kicking in. He's like, I'm about 20% now, 20% levels. I should be okay. How do you get a percent? How does he know? Yeah. What level of strength does he realize? Oh, yep. This is now 19. Sorry, not 20 anymore. Yeah. I can only x-ray this, you know, 20 square miles, not 40. For those needing in the know, Superman's abdomen does become impregnated with a chest-bursting xenomorph. I mean, it happens. He is... But there is zero sense of peril. He is mouthily handled by a face (laughs) hugger. And, uh, I mean, it's bad. Like, he is racing. Luckily, luckily... The space satellite Argo is only roughly 10 minutes from the Luther Corp satellite where, I mean, it's close. 
you yeah, think w- it would be like you'd have to go into cryo sleep to get to it or something. Hyperspeed. The hyperspeed was like a 10 minute subway ride back and forth. There was yeah. no sense of like, you know, this could be it for Superman. He just sent out the only ship that had hyperdrive that he's aware of. Right. How did he know he had any chance of coming back? I mean, that was so, a big gamble. Yeah, so the peril is Superman flies on back to the Luther Corp satellite with a chestburster minutes away. It's it's eating through his sternum as we as he flies back. He's got to get at least some fingertips on that sun. Luckily, he gets enough sunlight to where his inner cavity Vitamixes the <laughs> his chest burster into puree, and he regurgitates it. He used the word puree. He uses the words regurgitate as he spits it back up in liquid form. Also, there was a lot of usage of the words weird. I thought I thought the actual usage of that word was weird. And then he, after he upchucked the xenomorph puree, he said he felt wasted. I thought that was just an odd phrasing. Oh, he also like, mentions that he has no reserver, uh, reserves of strength left. He's totally tapped out. However, yeah, okay. he still continues to act at 140% capacity when he decimates the aliens aboard the sleeper. <laughs> he's not tired. He's going to say he's tired, but guys, he's not tired. So, how ladies, don't fool yourselves. He doesn't have a headache. How did he actually destroy the alien in his belly? I don't know. Like, what superpower did he have that just kind of helped him just throw it up? He, he just metabolized it. And whatever tissue that it ate, he just grew back. Hmm. Yeah, because it you know, was a foreign substance. So his body's like, uh-uh, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow sun. And the... You know, just just like basically every almost every other alien movie or story, Luther Corp at first wants to save the alien to try to weaponize it to see what they could get from it. You know, and that's how more people die that way. Fact. Too and bad of course, they didn't have uh, any research. You know? Jan leaves himself an out because Kara thought dead is actually in a inexplic- inexplicably in another last shuttle pod. Cal took the last one available, but there was another last one. And uh, she's impregnated, mouth style, mouthy style, mouthily, by this alien, <laughs> and rocketing her way to destroy some other planet. Well, no, even more unbelievable than getting <laughs> impregnated via mouth is he used the teleporter to teleport the alien egg out of her. That was what happened uh, yeah. seconds before yeah. she had to jump out of the teleporter. He used some kind of rocket surgeon skills to pinpoint the, the alien out of her belly and got it out of there. So That's she's Jonesy. alive. She's kicking. Jonesy, when you were wait, using the hand scales, his power <laughs> depletion to I'm right, Kryptonian. Right? He used that teleporter like champ. He, <laughs> he did. He's like full on read the manual. <laughs> I yeah. just had the clients super the controls, speed. guys. <laughs> I, I in looking for like artwork to use for this book i saw that there's a bunch of alien dc books out there there's a i think there's a second superman oh, yeah. alien and there's a batman one one of which had really good looking art from that ariel olivetti character who mm-hmm. did that relaunched cable series from way back i saw a few splashes of batman that looked pretty bad a eh, that i kind of want to read yeah, they do yeah, Batman do versus Predator as well. Wasn't that? Uh, as far as I'm aware, there's a Superman, Batman, Alien, Predator book oh, yeah. with all wow. four in there. 
which there's a maybe we should read one of the Superman aliens or one of the Superman. It might be the Superman Batman alien predator. Uh, Malieve is at least doing some kind of art Whoa. in that Whoa. thing. Yeah, yeah. When I was looking for um, art for the show post, the tweet post about the show. Tweet post, show post. You know what other book that I read ages ago that I remember being tickled by was RoboCop Terminator, which I think was written by Frank Miller and drawn by uh, Simonson. Hmm. Wow. Man, we yeah. gotta get into that stuff, you know? That definitely had a Brigitte Nielsen character in it. We just laid out many episodes post 200. That's it. 201. We're going to have like an astonishing four episode run of just alien comic tie-ins. <laughs> the Commando original screenplay turned into a comic. I'm sure that happened. <laughs> yeah. If not, it should happen. Oh, man. But yeah, I was I was definitely entertained by the book. I'm not. Yeah. That's not to speak of its, you know, how I'd rate it. Yeah, I was very yeah. entertained by it. It's I, very entertaining. Dead-eyed Lois. I mean, she's got the deadest <laughs> eyes you've probably ever seen in a... <laughs> Still life. <laughs> this, let me tell you, this she was like a amazing. Bee too. She looks, she looks like she t- she treated Clark like garbage, she <laughs> and he just like took it. it, and he just took it. <laughs> Mouthy style. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a line of paper cake t shirts right there. Mouthy <laughs> style. <laughs> uh. Wonderful unless book. You, unless you want to uh, want it listed in uh, New Times Roman, we better get some artists on this thing. Cause... <laughs> uh, <Nothing>. FYI, <laughs> Superman, Alien. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter. We might have time to read it on the era. Our uh, first letter comes to us from Fast Friend of the Show, Dirty Stew. He says, Hi, guys. Really enjoyed the Fury Max episode. Enjoyed it so much that I pre-ordered the hardcover version that's coming out in August. I was wondering what character made you start reading comics. Do you still read comics with the character in it and still really enjoy it? The characters still feel the same as you remembered it from years ago? Sorry, last question. Do you ever read a comic of a character you like and hated it? Like the new author has bastardized the character. Jonesy, you're not the only one that keeps comics that aren't in long boxes. I have my comics inside pockets and folders on the top shelf of my bookcase away from my kids' sticky fingers. See? You know, it's just a different way, guys. I don't know. I'd like to see photos of that for proof purposes. Uh, My answer's Spider-Man, yes. And I've read plenty of Spider-Man stories that are awful. (laughs) Nobody remembers the questions. <laughs> okay, what what, he goes. <laughs> what character got you in the comics, Dale? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the 
Yeah, probably Spider Man. Spider Man twenty ninety nine, maybe. Mm. Mm. Okay. You know, could have been the new Fantastic Four Marvel card many, many years ago. Yeah, those cards. I'll tell you what; those cards are a gateway into comics more than people remember. Oh yeah, Marvel masterpieces. That's how Joe you learned Jusco. about. Com- <laughs> that's how you learned about comic book characters. The backs of those cards. U.S. Agent. Who's that guy? Thank God I have the card. Joe Jusco's card looks pretty BA, whoever it is. I remember the X-Men ones that had like the real names on the back and the date of birth. And one of the answers for like the Sentinels was like date of birth. It was like not applicable. And I was like, whoa, what is that word? <laughs> and that word just like freaked me out when I was younger. I think Wolverine or Spider-Man was mine. Because my brother and I collected... Wolverine at the same time simultaneously. So we have two copies of every Wolverine that came out during a certain period Beautiful of the Sylvestri want run. And uh yeah, there's a I mean there's a title for a character that I love that's out right now that I don't think is very good at all and I don't read it. Oh my gosh. It makes really? me want to weep. Yeah. It's a solo title with the no S- solo adjectives. title. No adjectives. Oh my gosh. Oh. And uh, it's hard to go through that, you know. It's really hard to live through it. Yeah. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to. Uh, Thanks. Appreciate sorry, that, my friend. Next up is uh, comes from. Uh, hold on, my app just crashed. It back. <laughs> hey boys, Chuck Forceman here. Hello. Been meaning to write in and let you know that you have officially been adopted into my life and routine. Ever since I started listening to the episode where you talked about my comic for the book club, The End of the Bleeping World, I found myself unable to stop downloading more episodes. Even though your tastes are pretty different from mine, I quite enjoy listening to you guys pick on each other. (laughs) I've been plowing through the archives the last few weeks while I sit at my drawing table When you draw all day, you quickly run out of podcasts to listen to, so finding a new show with a big backlog is a treat. And uh, should I read the second paragraph, fellas, or should we... Yeah, do it up. Do it. Okay. I didn't want to write in until I had a real reason to, and I think I found it. Last night, in a fit of nostalgia, I dug out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' first live-action movie and watched it while reciting every line. I had forgotten how big this movie was in my life. I was the perfect age when this came out, so I feel pretty blind to the movie's faults. I've enjoyed the off-movie episodes you have done, especially the Dick Tracy one, and thought this might be a good paper keg episode. And with the new live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hitting theaters this summer, it could be considered timely to revisit. Thanks for all the laughs. Best Chuck, Chuck Forsman. Wow. Awesome letter. Great letter. I mean, I read that letter with a grin on my face when that came yeah. over the wire. What a nice letter. I mean, pretty great that, you know, when you do a book club for a book, the creator, you know, listens. And then not only that, but decides to listen to other episodes and then gets the humor that we think is funny where we just make fun of Jonesy all the time. <laughs> yeah. Pick on each <laughs> exactly. other. Pick on each exactly. other. Yeah. Like it's not a dog pile the entire uh, hour or so we do this. <laughs> the art is probably even more beneficial to go back to the older episodes because hashtag RIP Mark, former host of the show, he really took it on the chin too. He was a favorite target of mine when he was still alive. <laughs> um, 
the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. What a great idea. Uh, we've already talked about doing that since this letter as a movie episode. But that I think that is the first movie that I had seen in theaters. I have memories of going wow. to see that movie in theaters and being blown away by seeing my beloved characters in mm-hmm. real life. And it was like earth-shattering. Yeah, it was, it was bananas. It was well, like 90, maybe it came out. God, yeah, maybe. that VHS, I, I wore that VHS out. You know, the uh, the Pizza Hut commercial at the beginning of the tape <laughs> where the kid played right field. I want you to know. You got to know how to catch. You got to know how to throw. Wow. Did you attend the uh, touring uh, Ninja Turtles rap show that uh, mm-hmm. went across the country? Were you at the Expo Center? No, I when just they watched did Ninja that Ninja Ninja rap? Oprah episode, though. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. It's so funny because we've we've been like throwing ideas into the Google Doc about what we could do for extra episodes, and that never crossed our mind for some reason. Yeah, but that's the most fantastic one. That's the most obvious one. And I liked his. I liked that he mentioned Dick Tracy because you know that was a weird pick that you know Dale and I we checked the numbers. You know, we have our abacus out, and that was like not one of our most popular episodes so it's just interesting to hear feedback on Mm -hmm. you know an episode that maybe wasn't as popular as the other episodes which i actually then i got numbers guys just that we don't give (laughs) we do not give jonesy access to much uh i don't even know how he has access to the twitter if i can be (laughs) blunt i never Uh, use it thank god yeah who who posts those uh those gimp photos hey that's dale who's here the uh, I, I actually was kind of bummed when I read his letter because I looked to see when that Dick Tracy episode posted and we kind of had a monthly uh, track going for those movie episodes, but we just missed uh, once a month. We missed May, I think. Bummer. Farts. Uh, our, our next letter. Uh, dearest gentlemen, I recently read volume one of Game and Sandman. Then went back and listened to episode 76 of Paper Keg. First, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the journey Sandman went on to regain his world, and the Doctor Destiny stuff was disturbingly captivating. I will likely continue on to see where it goes. Secondly, PK76 was, well, the best way to describe it is Dale underscore edgy. (laughs) Just so much pooping on things and Dale breaking out racial humor it was like looking back to a time when you distinguished gentlemen were young street toughs using writers and artists as your TP without a care <laughs> in the world. R.A.P. Farrington and long live the PK Radio Syndicate. Uh, quickly, I wanted to see if any of you have read Rising Stars from JMS. It might be a worthy book club, Mike. Uh, I have not, but I think we should probably put it in the uh, the Google Doc. Yeah, I think that's the, yeah Rising Stars and... Um yeah. I, want, I wanted to go back and listen to that episode because I wanted to hear what kind of disastrous comments Dale was making. You know, he's a loose cannon. He was really off the rails for a long period of time. I, I, I'm, I, don't, I definitely believe it, but I didn't think it would have been that late, as, as late as 76. It's very possible, though. And, and that, was like, that would have been our first, other than our test episode, that, was gonna, that would be our ter- first test episode or remote recording, so mm-hmm. who knows what kind of uh, energy was happening. 
yeah, during recording. Little known PK fact: we used to record locally, and then before we went on hi- uh, extended hiatus, trademark tapping, tapping the, the brakes. We recorded a remote episode and just didn't tell anybody that it was remote, and nobody said anything. And that was the that was the impetus that maybe we could do it after I moved. Beautiful. And Sandman was the book that we said we'd never do. All right, and we did it. I we, yeah, we I the I might go back. I don't have the heart to go back and listen to my voice. Or <laughs> you hate your voice. You're effeminate. Uh, lispy woman baby feet voice Warnellis trees voice <laughs> is the future <laughs> I'm a man with a light woman's voice Dagmar underscore A <laughs> you pull your shorts down there's nothing there exactly like a Ken doll that's the future <laughs> work at ladies Reebok on the weekend so you get four pounds discount. of hair hair Yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I definitely was probably edgy back then. I don't know. I, I probably won't go back. Maybe uh, Mike will DM me or publicly some quotes, embarrass me. Some I quotes, want, I'm definitely going to go back this week to listen. Thanks for throwing me under the bus, Mike. In front of me. God, at least it's not me, right? <laughs> Next up, <coughs> my week. My weakened throat is going to read a letter from uh, Red Lantern 2051, uh, a.k.a. David Finn. Hi, guys. This comes from my sick bed, crippled crippled by a migraine, the likes of which haven't been seen since, spoilers, Charlie is getting headaches in Days of Future Past. (laughs) Just wanted to pay tribute to the Fury. (laughs) Josie hasn't seen yet. Spoilers. Just wanted to pay tribute to the Fury Max episode last week. I think your greatest show. I feel like Jonesy may have gone into some new version of the wind column with this simple statement about Pug and his lady friend. (laughs) Quote, desperately, grossly trying to get it in. End quote. Dale, quote, I'm assuming it's in. End quote. I almost choked on my lemonade when I heard this. That was just great synopsizing. The book sounds fascinating, but this one scene description sold me for good. As a side note, guys, do you boys really think there's any truth to the rumor that Marvel slash Disney aren't promoting Fantastic Four comics in an effort to try to dial down hype on the upcoming movie? I would question whether anything the comic really does would drive the bo- drop, drive the box office receipts anyway. If anything, it's the comic that might get a potential bounce off a hit movie. It just seems that when you float numbers on how Fantastic Four are worth the Fox, I can see how dependent they are on that first movie making Big Bank. It's not like a Sony Spider-Man situation where movies will be rolled out indefinitely, at least until the superhero movie market tanks. I think FF is far more tricky franchise to exploit, especially when you don't have all the other Marvel characters to integrate with. Okay, later guys. Keep up the great work. Peace out. Okay, Dave Finn, a.k.a. Red Lantern 2051 on Twitter. Incredible letter. Incredible letter. (laughs) 
<sighs> yeah, I don't. I don't believe any of that. I know uh, Cleeding Bull did a uh, a couple articles over the weekend about the uh, this rumor. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't put any. I wouldn't put anything into that. If anything, Fantastic Four would just get canceled because of low sales. I don't think that book has really been lighting up the charts. I mean, I have no idea, but I there's not a lot of people talking about it. Well, that doesn't mean it's not selling well, but yeah, it's and, you know I, I think Fantastic Four always had that like an even number for the Fantastic Four people. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you're right. Who knows? I mean, do you remember when Daredevil was quote canceled or? ended and I floated the idea of Mark Wade and Chris Somney relaunching Fantastic Four. Can you imagine? And then at the same time he posted some kind of Reed Richards black and white sketch on Instagram and you were convinced you were right. I would absolutely be down for Daredevil going on a hiatus from those two and then doing FF. My heavens. Just putting it out there. Guys. I saw Somney did some FF work. I, I don't know if it's going to be in the F Fantastic Four book or not, but Somni and his colorist did some panels for Fantastic Four. Really? Because his colorist was tweeting at um, not somebody I forget. New segment. Uh, our next letter comes to us from friend of the show Chris Miranda. He says, here's a not so lightning rebuttal to Ed Slim's alleged polar ice caps melting. Eat S and die, you baby seal clubber. Eat oh S and die. Oh my God. And then he posts a link, I guess, directing you to the facts that the ice caps are really melting. Who sent uh, this in? This is Chris Miranda, longtime friend of the show, wishing you to eat S and die. Uh, P.S. You guys are fantastic. Download the official Twitter app here, sent from my iPhone. So, yeah, Chris M. thinks at, on the Twitter is probably just watching us live. You know Show me I mean? the proof. He's live emailing us. Show me the proof. Don't tread on it. Name them. five environmental disasters that are real. <laughs> Fastfacts.gov. And the last letter of the night comes from uh, fa- another fast friend of the show, Andrew Myers, at IndieAndroid on Twitter. Uh, for, the, you guys on, for those of you guys on Twitter, follow him. Dear PK, all is well with the world. I am paper kegging the live feed and sky rimming simultaneously. Dale, Dale, Love um, you guys. pan the screen up so we can't see you from the waist oh, down. Because I'm sure you just almost knocked over your desk. With I both hands on the table, if you know what I I'm just saying. just mouthfully impregnated the iPad. I was reading this email. Mouthy styled all over that iPad. Like a xenomorph face hugger. The alien queen lays the egg and the face hugger pops out of it. The rest, they say, is history. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, no. Beautiful. I haven't heard uh, Gen Z pop one out. You didn't see that email come over the wire just now, Gen Z? Oh, oh. There, there's another wow. email? Oh, hang on. Hang on. Let me get in here. Hang on. Uh, our our king of the letter writers um, goes ahead and just, just emails us just now over the wire. You cut me deep, Dale. P.S. Thanks for defending me, Jonesy. Secret Mason hand sign. <laughs> Is the subject of the email was best letter? Question mark. I don't know. 
Did I say did I say another letter was the best letter of the night? I, I think uh, we we all agreed unanimously that David Finn's letter, uh, and I think uh, Charles Forsman. Forsman's letter were our man were on the inside. Maybe number one and number one point one of the best letters ever received uh, to Paper Keg, and Dragon Fro just can't handle it. Dragon Fro, just like the wind column, you have your own separate letter column. Just for you, you're always at the top, constantly. You're like the fifth beetle. It's just you're 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 among us. Is that a reference? Is that an accurate reference? I don't even know. I don't. Know. I will actually stop listening. You're the Brigitte Nielsen <laughs> to our to our Sly Stallone in the '80s. What a show! What a show! Can I be honest with you? You can. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna We're in it. that Pug McCuskey getting it in wind column right now. We are in that win column desperately. If we ever had a best of episode, we would have to clip that out. Put that in there. (laughs) Why do you have plans on making a clip episode? I don't. I have zero desire to edit (laughs) a hundred and episodes. You can't see Slim. Most of the time, you can't see Slim's eyes with the glare on his glasses, but you could see his beady (laughs) eyes and the seriousness in which he said, "I have no interest (laughs) in clipping up for a segment." Uh, what a show. We will see everybody next week, July 19th. And that Fury Max episode was a treat to listen back to. Yeah, I it love like it. butter. Well, when we're all on the same page like that, and we all love a book, I don't think we have better episodes. I think those are always key. It's a great episode. Big book club apps down the line coming. Big. God. Big. We went, I, yeah. For the two episodes you're talking about, I might have to start reading now. Just to get... <sighs> Close. Big. You know that, right? You know, let's uh. So big, in fact, that the next, next ten or so episodes. I mean, post these ten episodes, Slim will be riding me hard <laughs> on recommending we do only book club episodes <laughs> from here on out. Hard. We got rid of news. We get the hard ride. What are we gonna do about lightning round? Maybe we should just be. Lightning round. Intros, lightning round, book club. Get down to like 40 minutes. I mean, that's not, we can't, that's not even true because we did a book club on a 13 issue book and it was an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm shooting myself in the foot almost. It's backfiring. Hard ride. Um, what a show. Alpha style. Yeah, it was a good show. It was. I mean, we pulled it together. As always, Jan. Kevin, together as one, we c- we come from all walks of life. Our we- our weekends are peppered with different sort of events, but yeah. we pull it together. Sunday evenings, exorcist style vomiting going on my home today. My word, potty training in mine. 
don't even want to I go mean, there, the bro. The amount of sweat that I was sweating God. with my son while he was refusing to sit on the potty, planking, <laughs> trying to get his little rear end on that seat. You know, he was crying so hard, he was coughing in my face. <laughs> oh, man. You know? In a bathroom of all places. In a bathroom. Hot. Window, window closed. Your wife beater probably just worn the threads. <laughs> this is the sweat of his his heat body emanating into my brain. Oh, man. Just remember, you'll bring this up one time when he's older. Yeah, we'll have to save this kind of thing for the flap. The flap podcast. Mm. Man, are podcast? you guys flapping soon? Uh, are are yeah. we getting spoiled right now? You guys are playing in the know, flap? Little known fact, we were moments away from a flap. Maybe last month, but it just we just couldn't make it happen. <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> Moments. That's how that's how the flap episodes happen and then don't happen. We're, we're like minutes away from recording, and then we ah now we can't do it tonight, and then we just forget about it for a month. Unrivaled talk show. That's that's literally how it happens. It'll be minutes away, then we're like, you know what? Let's just try for tomorrow. Yeah, and then that's it. Try we both forget. For, Something for happens at work, and then it's just. Gone. That piece of our memory is occupied by something else. If you're new to uh, Paper Keg and you don't know what the flap is, it's just me and Dale talking about fatherhood. And there was an episode where Dale recanted a story where he asked in his pants as (laughs) as an adult. One of the greatest (laughs) professional moments of my life. The best part of that story is when he shuffles with his uh, pants around his ankles (laughs) through the house. I look like uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins <laughs> with my candy, stripe, candy striping outfit on. Penguin walking. Heel to heel. That would, be a good, that would be a good end of the fireside. Just turn it out there. Mark, <laughs> check. 110. Matt, remember this. Go back. <clears throat> so is that it? We done then? I didn't read anything else. I didn't read anything else to talk about. I caught up on a bunch of stuff. Let's see. I caught up on a bunch of stuff. That's right. You were sick uh, on your deathbed for like four or five days in a row. (laughs) I didn't even feel like reading comics during that time. It was bad. Bad. Um, All new X-Men. 27. It's a couple issues old now. Did you but. see uh, Bendis teasing that Miles Morales is joining the team on Tumblr? Yeah. What? He showed a, a Sarah Pacelli or David Marquez cover, like kind of a classic cover of Circle in the center with Miles without a mask looking shocked, and then it's like the X-Men and training scenarios around him saying, like, hope you enjoy the experience, hope you survive the experience, Miles. And then he said it's a real cover to issue like 32 or something. But that's the only what? news that has been about it. Just what he posted on his Tumblr. Bendis, man, <clears throat> it was good. The uh, you know the evil Brotherhood of Mutants came back from the future. I felt felt like maybe they ended the previous arc for the uh, trial of Jean Grey, but I don't know. They're back. Oh, Iron Fist number two. Man, so good. You read this, Slim? No, I haven't. Holy crap. The last page of issue two. Car Andrews. Man alive. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's Iron Fist. Like if they would have had this creative team, Dale and I were texting as we want to do. Uh, like when we were kids, we would be Iron Fist fans. I mean, it's yeah. really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Just see, Hickman is leaving the Avengers uh, by early next year. To do what? His creator own stuff? I don't know. They just they're teasing this big Avengers story at the beginning of next year, and they say it's his his like all his stories have been leading up to his final story or some such. Somebody was telling me that <clears throat> was it Don Garvey, Donnie Boy Garvey. It's like a big thing, and it would coincide with the movie or something. It's like <clears throat> it's leading up to like that incursion story that he has, where there's like a alternate world and mm. the storylines pick up like eight months in the future or something yeah yeah i don't know I'm trying to think of who would be like <clears throat> who would take over avengers after him yeah because remender is having the next event axis aaron axis is that what jason called? aaron i think is slowly exiting yeah. marvel marvel i think hickman is too bums me out but uh jason aaron's on Thor and Original Sin. And that's that's probably that's it. it. He's not he's no longer on Amazing. No Wolverine. No Wolverine the X Men. Remember Jason uh, Aaron's it, Wolverine Weapon X? Mm. Mm. That filler issue of Amazing X Men kinda like petered me out a little bit. It's like a super filler issue already. Did mm. you read it? No. Last one I read was that Cameron Stewart, uh, where Wolverine was in costume mm-hmm. the whole issue. Oh yeah, at the bar. Yeah. This one is like uh, Sun Sunfire and Iceman make make a run to the store, and Spider Man shows up with some baby, and they're all trying to like get the mascot back to the alien race. It's very you know when the Bayside Tigers went up against Valley and stole the Valley mascot. My God! Well, that title was supposed to be like Jason Aaron doing old school X Men stories, and now he's not on it. Yeah, I don't know if that book even gets launched without Jason Aaron. So now, six issues in, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yep. Afraid so. Afraid. And I think Remender's cap run is—I'm not sure if it's drawing to a close, but he—he he says like the or like. The solicited issue three months from now is like what he's been building towards. And I know he's said in the past he writes for like, you know, under 30 issues. So I wonder if maybe he's leaving Cap soon. Hmm. Not soon, but maybe in like the next six months. This will go down as one of the seminal Cap runs, I'll tell you. Yeah, he's got it. We never did a Dimension Z for a book club. Put it in the doc. He's got to be, I mean, you think about somebody who would uh, be thrown on a flagship title. He's got to be at the top of the list. Yeah, I wonder if he would take over Avengers, maybe. Although he's got two creator-owned. Yeah. Um, I was going to say Matt Fraction, but he's kind of like not really... Yeah, remember Hawkeye? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Whatever happened to that? I don't know. Is that all he's doing at Marvel? Yeah. Never mind. He left uh, original or um, Inhuman. But the architects are pretty much 
kind of retiring from mainstream stuff. Yeah, it bumps me out. We need some new architects. Yeah. New architect named Jonesy Loves Beer. What? Get in there. Talking to me. Vampiro. Vampiro loves beer? Vampiro wears black scrubs for the uh, Sunday night show.